1: We're talking about last night's State of the Union address, and then we're joined by Leah Savas to talk about her new book, The Story of Abortion in America. You're listening to The Common Good. Hey, friends, welcome back to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, alongside Steve Coble, who is sitting in uh, for Aubrey Sampson for today, yesterday, today and tomorrow, uh, my name is Brian Fromm. So glad to have you with us today on a beautiful Wednesday afternoon here in the Chicagoland area. If you've missed any of our show yesterday, we were able to talk to Tim Challies. We were able to talk to Shane Claiborne uh, in the last couple of days. We've talked to Amanda Jenkins from The Chosen. So we would love to have you go get the podcast wherever it is. You get your podcast. Just subscribe, rate, review. You can also find us online at 1160hope.com. All right, Steve, last night was the State of the Union Address, President Biden's State of the Union Address. Uh, I admitted to you before that I, I didn't watch it. I saw highlights on the Today Show this morning. Uh, you Did you watch it or were you uh, zeroed in on something else last night?
2: I I was zeroed in on another mark of history.
1: (laughs) The king. We are going to talk LeBron James later on in the show. Uh, Steve thinks Steve not only thinks LeBron James is the goat. He thinks Michael Jordan might not even be top five. So I'm just kidding. (laughs) Trying to get you in trouble in Chicago here. (laughs) Uh, But we will discuss that later. But I did see a bunch of the highlights, Steve, of of the State of the Union address. And I want to talk less about policy and the stuff, Joe Biden, and more the theatrics of the State of the Union Address. Because if you watch the State of the Union Address at all, I'm sure a lot of people out there listening right now did watch it last night. it's, It's become a sporting event because it's less about what's said and it's more about who stands at this point. Who made a face here? Who Last night, some people yelled things. Uh, somebody yelled, you're a liar, at the president. Somebody else yelled, it's your fault. Uh, they put people up in the gallery to kind of serve their pre- – it's just all theatrical. But I think what I wanted to ask you about is this. The State of the Union, to me, is a bit of a microcosm of everything wrong, not just with our politics, but with our country. Like, literally, the House is divided in half – and these people stand for this and clap and look at the other people. These people stand and clap for this. It's just a picture for how fragmented we are and how this all feels like a game. I don't know. Every time the State of the Union comes around, I end up being kind of sad for our country. Do you, does that make sense?
2: I, I totally agree. Um, I'm I'm a little bit confused as to, like, what happened. And this is just my personal opinion. But I, I'm I'm like, what happened to the— when you thought that John McCain and Barack Obama was like a, a, like crazy, you know what I mean? And, and then I look back at John McCain and I'm like, man, I think John McCain would have been a great president, (laughs) Uh, you know, and and just like the the civility that he had in discourse and in, um, in disagreement. And that's, that's on, on either side of, uh, of the aisle anymore. Cause it For seems sure. like if you don't agree with me, either way, we kind of, uh, you know, we, we, put the scarlet letter on you. Um, which is ironic to me in light of the fact that people used to talk about religious people in that way as sort of like the ones who scarlet letter. And, and so it seems like politics have become a religion and that's scary.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's well put. I, I had deemed it a sport, but it might be a religion. So you and I, we were concerned about the country. We're concerned about politics or whatever else. But obviously, neither of us watched the State of the Union last night. But honestly, so I forgot that it was on last night. And then I saw on Twitter that it was going to be about to become on. And I made a decision. I'm like, I don't think I can handle it. I don't think I can actually watch it. So I'm going to watch I watched Nets Suns into into Lakers uh, Thunder last night. Like that's what I did cuz for my own soul. But I, you and I are most concerned about the church. You know, we're both pastors. Uh it feels like in the last decade or so what we see in our politics, the state of the union and other things that fracturing it feels in many ways that that is also part of our church experiences and that they fracture over things like politics, things like who did you vote for, things like, you know, what do you believe about issue X? Yet we know, I'm sure you've preached it, Jesus in John chapter 17, his final prayers before being arrested and, and murdered is uh, make them unified, give them unity. He prays for the unity of the church. So in, here, let's ask this big question. In a fractured society, what does a unified church look like? Because I always say this, unity is not uniformity. It's not everybody looks the same, thinks the same, talks the same, believes even the same. But what do you believe or what have you preached that unity of the church looks like?
2: That, that's a great question. I've actually been thinking about this um, recently because one of my friends, it comes from a Catholic background and I'm kind of asking him some of the questions of like, how does Richard Rohr exist in the same place as Henry Nowen? And (laughs) there's just like this dichotomy of like, one is almost evangelical and one is almost, uh, Unitarian, uh, and and how do they exist within the same? That's so true. uh, and, And he says that the Eucharist actually is like the highest level of, uh, of theology in the Catholic Church, so as long as we can come together under the banner of the the Eucharist or under the authority of the Eucharist, um, and so obviously I'm not a transubstantiationist. We're pastors. That's a theological right. word that means that the uh, body and blood of Jesus literally become the body and blood of Jesus uh, when mm-hmm. you take it at communion. But um, I I try to make it always about Jesus, and even now the thing that I think that that's discouraging is that like sometimes you get the Jesus of the gospels and sometimes you get, you know, a version of Paul through, uh, a version of Jesus through Paul's lens when he's trying to correct a group of people. Um, and so, but I I think the big thing for all of us is sometimes I think we can argue the Bible, not thinking that the Bible points us to Jesus. Mm. Does that make sense? So in other words, like the Bible is pointing me to the person and work of Christ and not the words, like the specifics that I use for an argument. Um, Mm. And I'm not saying that I'm saying that all of scripture points to Jesus and the Bible is the authoritative word of God. But there's this sense in which, like, with the wrong attitude, we pick up the Bible to argue rather than point each other to Christ.
1: And don't you feel like... Like, there are certainly things within the church that we should be arguing about and our majors. Like, right, we're going to break fellowship over this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just feel like we increasingly major on the minors and, like, minor on the major. Like, we don't – we actually put the uh, the wrong emphasis on things, and we end up making, uh, like, we're going to break fellowship over this. And you're like, I, when did that become a dividing line? Like, when mm-hmm. did that – like I don't know. Do you feel that way within the church that part of the problem is that we've just lost sight of what does it look like to disagree, but still be in, in relationship, still be in community with one another?
2: Oh, totally. Um You know, I, I pastor in a multi-ethnic church, so there's like, mm-hmm. like we run, like you run into this, like just a continual thing that you as a pastor, like you just embrace the the reality of different people coming together and you got to go back to the gospel makes us like tears down the dividing wall the gospel tears down the dividing wall the gospel tears down the dividing wall um, of hostility um, and just continue to just we we got to go back there and go back there and go back there Um, it's just a a continual thing and and a decision that we've made that we got to that's what we signed up for. <laughs> That's what we signed up for.
1: I do. Uh, it feels like this is going to be one of the most important things that the church has to get right going forward because mm-hmm. our our culture is not going to become less fractured. Uh, people are, are picking their lanes on every issue, and the church has an opportunity to kind of show something different, but man, I'm not sure we're off to a good start with it. And, uh, you know, remembering that Jesus prayed for unity in John 17. I'm sure this is going to be something we're going to talk about more and more as the months and years go on coming up next. Leah Savas, a Lifebeat reporter for World News Group, but also the author of a new book or the co-author of a new book called The Story of Abortion in America, A Street-Level History. It's a history book about the history of abortion and how did we get to where we are today. Fascinating new book that she wrote. Leah Savas is going to join us next year on The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. Welcome back to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, alongside Steve Koble. My name is Brian Fromm. It's so good to have you with us today. And Steve and I are thrilled to be joined uh, by one of the authors of a new book called The Story of Abortion in America, A Street-Level History. She is a beat reporter for World News Group. Her name is Leah Savas. Leah, how are you doing today?
3: I'm doing well. How are you?
1: Really good. It's great to have you with us. Congratulations on the book. And uh, again, we, as we said, it is called The Story of Abortion in America. And it takes us from 1652 all the way up to present day. So why don't you give us kind of a, a really big, high-level overview? What is the hope for this book? What is uh, what is the point of this book?
3: Yeah, so I co-authored this book with Marvin Olasky. He used to be my editor here at World Um, And we wanted to tell the story of abortion in America um, just from a street level perspective. That's in the the subtitle to the book Mm -hmm. to explain what that means. We didn't want to just talk about the laws, the politicians um, that have influenced the abortion issue. We wanted to tell the stories of everyday people who have been affected by the abortion Mm -hmm. issue. So, for instance, our first one of the first stories in the book is about the first recorded and confirmed abortion in America, which was in 1652, which is why we start wow. with that in the in the subtitle. Um, and we tell the story of this woman who was forced to take an abortifacient by the man who impregnated her, um, and he eventually went on trial for murder um, because the baby wow. died. So it's stories like that that we want to tell to show how it's everyday people and... Um, just everyday perspectives that influence the laws. It's it's there. It's the popular opinion that has this influence on what how abortion is actually seen in the culture, and that affects the laws. So we kind of take that approach through the whole book of of telling these everyday stories, uh, examining how understanding of fetal anatomy, how biblical knowledge. Um, how just the ability or inability to enforce abortion laws, um, how community pressures, all of those things, how they um, influence this issue of abortion and how it has influenced abortion throughout the centuries in America. Hmm.
2: Leah, obviously this is a a hot topic and one that I have with my my wife regularly, just in terms of she's actually a, a registered nurse, works at Rush Hospital here in the city, um, and one that for a lot of women that I have conversation with, is centered around having agency over your body um, and even the history of, of not having agency over your body. So you just told a story, of the first abortion of somebody not having agency over their body. Um, and so I'm, I'm just curious, um, how do you navigate that through the book?
3: Yeah, so one thing that we really try to do in each of these stories is bring light to the other body in abortion which is the body of the unborn child. Um, At times it can be rather gruesome describing what people saw in the aftermath of an abortion and how they recognized the child as an individual human that was that was murdered in an abortion. So um, in a lot of ways we do try to emphasize that. We try to emphasize the humanity of the unborn child. We we refer to um, even doctors as early as the 1800s who recognize that life begins at conception, that um, an individual human and a second patient is involved in any, any case of a pregnant woman. Um, but regarding just women and their agency over their bodies, um, we do see definitely early on in these early abortion stories how uh, men with influence and wealth used abortion to control women and to avoid negative consequences to their bad decisions. So um, it is interesting how today people say, you know, abortion is about women and healthcare and and them making choices for themselves. But that's not how abortion started in our country. Um, it these early cases were definitely cases of men taking advantage of women. Mm. Um, and, and the women did feel a lot of guilt for being involved. Um, like the, the woman I mentioned earlier, the first confirmed and recorded abortion in the country, she, after the fact stated, you know, it was a great sin for me to get pregnant outside of marriage, but it's even greater sin to take away that life. So she recognized just the significance of what had happened in the abortion, as did the community around them, which is why this man went on trial for murder.
1: No, fascinating. Leah, uh, this sounds like more of a historical look, a, a history. Uh, of the abortion issue, why is it important? To, as Steve mentioned, right, we all know this is such a hot button issue right now politically in the church, all over the place. Why is the historical foundation? Why do you guys think that's important to to kind of having a better, well thought out view of the issue?
3: Yeah, well, when you when you can see the history of something, you understand that it's bigger than just your present day. So, um, even even the perspective of seeing unborn life as human life and seeing unborn babies as um, image bearers of God. Mm-hmm. I think it's easy to fall into the mindset of like, Oh, well that's something that people in the church just recently started saying to oppose mm-hmm. abortion. But in reality, no, we see this throughout our history. We, we see um, people going, like I said, going on murder, going on trial for murder. For the deaths of unborn babies, we see doctors in the 1800s asserting that they see unborn babies as their second patient, and that life begins at fertilization. Mm. Um, but we also see just how sin and abortion has been around a lot longer than a lot of people a lot of people would assume. So mm-hmm. sometimes I think when I first Uh, started telling people, Hey, I'm working on this book about the history of abortion. (laughs) Um, They're like, Oh, so, you know, it'll start with Roe v. Wade. Well, no, (laughs) we actually start Mm. in 1652. This has been an issue in our country long before Roe v. Wade. There's a lot of, there's a lot of background that led to Roe v. Wade. So recognizing all those steps that brought us to Roe v. Wade, just, um, steps such as abortion becoming more permissible in some ways, um, just because it led to fewer deaths of women at first, it it was a very dangerous procedure, but as it got closer to Roe v. Wade, there were, there was an understanding of how to be, um, do antiseptic procedures. There were antibiotics that helped prevent the deaths of these women. Um, so, um, only babies would die in abortion. So, um, as, as women died less and less, uh, it, in a lot of ways, became more acceptable. Just people pushing to make it acceptable by looking at all these uh, exceptions like, oh, well, what if the baby is going to have deformities or, um, you know, just trying to kind of work around the earlier view of abortion in the country Mm -hmm. that just saw it as murder. Just trying to think of all these excuses. You know, all these things kind of led to um, abortion becoming legal under Roe v. Wade and um, even some states legalizing abortion before that. So, yeah. So it's all these these personal opinions and the influence of everyday people that Mm -hmm. just changed um, how abortion was seen in our country.
1: Again, the book is called The Story of Abortion in America, a Street Level View. Uh, One of the authors is Leah Savas. Leah, where can people connect with you, maybe online or social media, or where can they pick up the book?
3: Yeah. So the books at Amazon, you can order it from Crossway, um, Barnes and Noble, some local bookstores. Um, I write for a world news group and I do the weekly vitals roundup. If you guys want to follow my weekly newsletter, you can sign up at WNG.org and scroll down to the tab that says newsletters and subscribe to vitals. You can also follow me on Twitter at Leah Savis.
1: Awesome. Thanks again, Leah. The name of the book, again, is The Story of Abortion in America, A Street-Level History. We'd encourage you to go get it. Leah Savas, one of the authors. Leah, thanks so much. This is great. Have a great day.
3: Thanks for having me.
1: Yep. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. My name is Brian Fromm, and everybody, we talk about it on our show. Uh, People in my church are all talking about it. Everybody seems to be watching The Chosen these days. Uh, And you might remember Dallas Jenkins. He'd come on uh, back when The Chosen was first coming out. And I am thrilled to be joined by Amanda Jenkins. Amanda is an author, a speaker, and also the lead creator for The Chosen's extra content, including a blended harmony of The the Gospels. Amanda, how are you doing? Thanks for joining us today.
4: I'm good. Thanks for having me on.
1: Yeah, it's our pleasure. I, I do want to talk eventually about how just the chosen has changed your life and all that you guys must be, all that must mean for you guys. But let's start with the blended harmony uh, of the Gospels. Talk to us about that, how it connects to the show, uh, and just what it, uh, how it's a resource for people out there.
4: It's such a fun new project. It, um, it basically, the show exists to point people back to the Bible. Mm-hmm. That's our heart for the show. The show is not the Bible. Um, it's, it's biblically plausible. Um, there's a lot from the Bible in it, but it's not the actual Bible. And so our hearts are that people would be pointed back. And so what this book does is it takes the four Gospels which are all set for separate accounts Mm -hmm. of the time that Jesus was uh, walking around and healing and preaching. And it synthesizes them and puts them um, in order to the best of our ability. Mm -hmm. And it reads like, one account rather than four separate, and it's not. A, it, that's not necessary to do. You can read all separate gospels, but it, it's it's from a storyteller's heart, right? It's it reads more like a story, and yeah. and yet it's every word of it is the Bible. So we're really excited about
1: it. Oh, that's great. And something awesome about it is it's divided into 40 readings, which if anybody knows the number 40, we got Lent coming up leading up to Easter. Is that one of the thoughts behind this, that this would be a great resource for individuals, families, churches leading into Lent?
4: Yeah, well, absolutely. We also have, you know, all of our devotional books, um, so far one per each season, 40 days with Jesus. Um, and I don't Mm. know, there's something we like about that. We, you know, I think as people, we, we do best when things are broken down a little bit into digestible sizes. Um, and so that was the heart behind it. And yeah, it works great for, um, heading into this spring season.
1: And what is some of the other extra content, if you will, with The Chosen, whether it be children's items or devotionals? What are some other things out there that people might be interested in?
4: Yeah, so like I said, we have devotional books based on each of the seasons that have been out so far. We also have—those are kind of um, smaller, so you can do those in five to ten minutes. And Mm. then um, we have Bible studies that go more in-depth. Um, that includes some excerpts from the show, um, and we have worked on it with our New Testament Bible scholar, the one who we consult with on the show. So it's it's more intense. And then we have picture books for kids. We have activity books for kids. Mm. Um, we've got calendars. We've got you know sweatshirts and T-shirts and and all kinds of things. And really, the heart behind the merch. it truly, we've turned down a lot of merchandise. Is ideas. that right? Um, we like the. Yeah, well, we like the ones that actually uplift in some way. So Mm -hmm. everything that we do, we try to be really intentional. So it's not just like, you know, stuff for the sake of stuff, Mm -hmm. but it's stuff that actually um, is a little reminder or a big reminder um, each day of Jesus. So that's the heart.
1: And let me make sure to get the website right. Where can people find all this stuff?
4: Well, we're on, uh, Dallas would sing it for you. I'm not going to do that. But <laughs> uh, www.thechosengifts.com. Um, mm. and, but it's also on our app. So if you go to the Chosen app, um, and you, we actually have a, a new app that needs to be re-downloaded. If you already have one, you want okay. to download the new one. But everything you need is in there. Extra content with our biblical scholars, fun behind-the-scenes stuff, and um, our merchandise. Everything's in there.
1: That's great. All right. So if I had told you five years ago, if I told you what your life would be like now, before The Chosen, and uh, I'm sure you in Dallas probably talked a lot about this. You were dreaming about this. You got, But is this going to be – I mean, let's just be honest. I'll say it because you guys probably can't. It's a phenomenon. I was just talking to someone in my church five minutes ago or you know, earlier today who was like, I went and saw The Chosen in the theaters this weekend. If, yeah. Go back five years. <laughs> if I told you what your life would be like, what would you have thought?
4: I, uh, yeah, totally, totally inconceivable, honestly, <laughs> and, and and it didn't, it didn't even come out of, it came out of Broken Dreams, actually. Mm-hmm. Dallas' um, movie career completely tanked, and um, he wasn't, he wasn't going to make another movie in Hollywood, um, because you got to have success in order to keep going. And um, he had a he had a movie fail, and so this was birthed from failure and hmm. broken dreams, and that's part of for us why it's so beautiful. I think God broke the wrong dreams and and hmm. put a new one on our on our hearts, and so now it's just to tell the stories of Jesus and his followers till the day we die. Honestly, that's yeah. the new dream. But the fun part of it is that it worked. <laughs> and
1: it is like a, yeah
4: so we're, we're hanging on for dear life that's what life looks like for us
1: it is going fast and what are what are your guys' yeah. favorite things to hear from people uh is it yeah what what's what's the feedback you guys love to get
4: yeah i I mean that's it's it's so consistent we say it to each other when the feedback comes in this is our favorite feedback is it's the stories of um people who have either wandered from the Lord or just never mm-hmm. been interested who now are being drawn towards Jesus. Those, I mean, whether it's kids or, um, or people on their deathbed or, um, special needs people in the special needs community, it has mm-hmm. been a shocking, a cross all demographics and age groups just to watch God. He's just decided for such a time as this, that this mm-hmm. is how he's gonna, um, be pulling people in and gathering people to himself. And we just get a front row seat to that.
1: So it's crazy. And what's that done to your faith as you've kind to go, uh, like you said, I think it's a great way to describe it. We're holding on for dear life. We're, we're riding it. Yeah. How has your faith been grown through this process of watching how God is using this?
4: Uh When he says, go, you go because mm. his thing is better than your thing. So um, I really would not have believed that five, 10, 15 years ago, I I couldn't have imagined his thing would be better than the thing that we had envisioned for ourselves. And so now, um, you know, we learned that through the show and through work. Um, now we're clinging to it for personal things. Um, kids, kids that are struggling and, and, um, healing that, that we're wanting in our, in our own life. Um, and that we're going, okay, what have I learned about God's way and his plans and can I trust them? And so, um, you know, the applications are endless, but um, yeah, his thing is better than our
1: thing. That's great. That's really well put. I'd encourage people to go check out The Chosen uh, if you haven't already. Uh, it's still in theaters, right? I think I saw it in theaters up here on the app. It's all over the place right now.
4: It was through the weekend, and now you can get oh. all eight episodes of season three right in your home on your app. That's when you, you can go. watch as many times as you want.
1: There you go. There you go. I've yet to, I'm sorry, I won't say this just to make you feel good. I've yet to meet anybody in the church who doesn't love it. So if you're out there and you haven't watched an episode, go check it out and do it. And really also what we want you to do is go pick up A Blended Harmony of the Gospels. Uh, It is kind of using the show and helping people understand. It's a great thing for Lent. It's a 40 readings uh, that will take you through the Gospels. Amanda Jenkins, again, is the co-author of The Chosen Presents, A Blended Harmony of the Gospels. And uh, yeah, we're really excited for you guys. It's like we said, Dallas used to come into the studio before this all happened. So now when I hear how well it's doing, I'm like, hey, we knew that guy. (laughs) It's a lot of fun for us. So anyway, Amanda, congratulations on all of this. We'll talk to you guys again. Thanks for spending some time with us.
4: Thanks for having me.
1: Steve is going to be with me again tomorrow before Aubrey is back with me on Friday. Until then, have a wonderful evening. For Steve Koble. my name is Brian Fromm. You've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, hope for your life.